0: We are continuing our sermon series in Acts. We've been in Acts since, what, beginning of December? Isn't that right? And then we took a little break for Christmas, and we keep on going. We're in the third section to the ends of the earth. Remember, it's Jerusalem, Samaria, and uh, Judea, and the ends of the earth. And so today, well, well, we always have been, we've been saying this for weeks, that uh, it really isn't the Acts of the Apostles like you find in the beginning of the book, but what's really going on is Jesus and the Holy Spirit growing the church. Uh, The church going from just this little tiny group of believers in the upper room to spreading out all over the country and all over the world to the ends of the earth. And that's how the gospel grows. And that's what's so exciting. Now, if you got a power-up shirt, which if you don't, you should get a power-up shirt, Enough said. Uh, on, the, on the front of it, it has Acts eight, and that's been sort of our theme verse. You will be, receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and to all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. But here is our story today. It's my witnesses. That's the important part today. A witness to What? And today we have this, what looks like a theological discussion that might happen in a back room at a school and may be kind of boring or, or a, uh, a synod gathering or something that might be overwhelming, but it's important piece uh, to our faith. What's at stake today is what's being talked about in Jerusalem, the Council of Jerusalem. This is what it is, and they gathered together to talk about this. But, but why was it so important? Why was it such a crucial thing? Because it's what saves you. That's really what was at stake when they met in Jerusalem to discuss this. Because they had two ways. There was a fork in the road. They could go left, they could go right, but they said, we need to go a certain direction. And so, what we're going to learn about today is what it means to be a Christian. And more importantly, how do you know you're good with God? How do you know that you're loved? And under what conditions? These are the things that were at stake in Jerusalem so many years ago, and they have a great impact on us today. So how did we get here? Let's do a little uh, uh, backtracking before we get there. If you remember, Peter shares the good news with non-Jews. This is how this all started. See, it was a lot simpler at the beginning because they were just sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with fellow Jews. Jews. Like, hey, Jesus is the Messiah that we've been looking for, and he he died for us. But then Peter had this dream, remember, and he started sharing it with non-Jews. And they brought him before and said, hey, Peter, explain yourself. So back in Acts 11, he comes together, and the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. That's the word for uh, non-Jews. That would be us unless you've got a Jewish heritage, right? So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him saying, hey, you went to the uncircumcised men and ate with them. And Peter began to explain it to them. what's going on here? The circumcision party is just sort of uh, uh, shorthand for, uh, for people that think that you should follow all of the Jewish traditions. They're the Pharisees uh, that came to believe in Jesus. They're the people that think that you still need to follow all of the Torah and the Jewish customs and all of those laws. And so Peter tells them this story about how it all happened. Uh, he says, remember, I was praying and I had a vision. And down from heaven came the sheet, and it was filled with all kinds of things that Jews would have found uh, unclean, things that they wouldn't have been allowed to eat, things that would have made them uh, unclean and, and they would have had to repent for. And the voice said, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter's initial reaction was, no way, man, I, uh, this, is, this is review. We covered this a few weeks ago. No way, man, like, I'm not going to eat that because I haven't put anything unclean in my mouth. And God's response to him was, "What God has made clean, do not call common, or do not call unholy." In other words, I have made these things clean. Like before, you were not to eat them, but now I have made them clean. And so, the end of his dream is that he's supposed to go and talk to Cornelius, uh, who is a, a centurion in the Roman army. He he uh, a God fearing man, but not a Jew. And so, Peter goes to his house, and he says, he began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them, just as us at the beginning. So he goes to the centurion, he goes to this Roman household, which is a no-no, by the way, for Jews to go into that household, and he begins to tell them about Jesus, and the Holy Spirit falls on them, just as us at the beginning. This is Pentecost. Remember, this is what he's talking about. When the Holy Spirit came, landed on them like tongues of fire, and they began to speak in other languages. The same thing happens to the centurion. And so Peter says, I remembered the word of the Lord and how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If God gave them the same gift as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, then this is a great line, right? Who was I to say that I could stand in God's way? I can't, if God's giving them the Holy Spirit, I'm not gonna stop him. Who am I to get in God's way, right? This here is a game changer. This is a turning point in Acts. This is very critical to to see this because what we've got here is Jesus' message going out just to the Jews and all of a sudden we've got it going out to everybody. Gentiles, anyone who hears the word of the Lord can receive the Holy Spirit. A game changer. And so that opens the door, right? The old saying, can open worms everywhere kind of thing. This is changing things as we know it. So what happens next? A few weeks ago, we learned about the church in Antioch, when people started preaching not only to the Jewish people, but also to Gentiles. And they began to share that word, and people began to believe. And all of a sudden, we've got a church filled with Jewish people and non-Jewish people. And it's growing like crazy, and they're, this is new territory. They don't know what to do. They're establishing all sorts of rules. Um, but here's the important part. The leaders up there, if you remember, they called up uh, Paul to come and talk. Barnabas and Paul were, were overseeing things. And here's the, here's the important piece. They didn't place the Jewish restrictions on those nonbelievers. So all of the things in the Old Testament, all of the things from Leviticus, all of the cleanliness laws, they said, no, you're Gentiles. You don't need to follow that. The Jews are following that, that's fine. So no circumcision for you, no, no uh, kosher laws, no uh, following all of the Jewish tenets, right? Um, and so it began to grow that way, and that became a thing there. But of course, word got back to others, especially those that thought everyone else should follow the same Torah and the rules, right? So word got back, this is pushback from that. But men came down from Judea and were teaching to the brothers, Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. They're saying you need to become Jewish. All you Gentile people, you can't just believe in God. You need to become Jewish. You need to follow all the customs. You need to be circumcised. You need to follow the kosher rules. You need all of these things to be saved by Jesus. And I love this next sentence here. After Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, can you imagine what no small I mean, talk about the understatement of the year. I'm guessing that these guys were probably a little bit uh, fiery about their position, right? No small debate. yeah, that's right. Uh, I can imagine them saying, "You're missing the point. They don't need to follow this. And so what we've got here, Paul and Barnabas, and some of the others appointed to go up to Jerusalem, to the apostles, to the elders, uh, about this question. After no small debate, a little tiny debate, they're like, hey, we have to figure this out once and for all. This has come up before, but now we need to, we need to solve this problem. Okay, so why is this such a big deal? If you've followed me so far, right? Uh, is it Jesus plus the Jewish customs or just Jesus? That's what's up for debate. That's what's at stake here, and that's why it's such a big deal. So what's at stake is... How are you saved? Are you saved with Jesus plus this other stuff or just Jesus? And so they get into a long debate. And that's where we're at in Acts 15. After much debate, I love that. Uh, It was probably no small debate. Peter stood up to them and said, Brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you, that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God knows the heart. This is point number one, right? Um, By my hand, the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. So that's Peter's first point. The Gentiles are hearing the word of God and they're believing. Here's the second point. Uh, That by God who knows the heart, bore witness to them. By giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us, and he made no distinction between us and them having cleansed their hearts by faith. Two points, not just the Jews, it's Gentiles too, and they came to know by faith. Not by ritual, not by keeping the kosher laws, not by being circumcised, not by the certain things that they ate and didn't eat, but they came to them by faith. Peter continues on in verse 10. Now therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? This is step one, all right? There's two pieces here. He's saying, look, the kosher laws, the circumcision, all of the cleanliness laws and the holiness laws, everything that's laid out, you haven't been able to keep it, and neither have I. Our fathers haven't been able to keep it. Nobody's been able to keep that. Nobody's been able to do it. We could not bear it. So why are you trying to do that to them? Here's the second part of it. And we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, just as they will. Folks, right here, the gospel, two sentences, right? You're a sinner, and you can't live up to that standard. You can't bear the yoke placed on your neck. And part two, you will be saved by grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Whether you're a Christian or a Jew or a Gentile, right here, you're a sinner, and You'll be saved by faith. Right there. And this, friends, is groundbreaking. We are not saved by the works, but we are saved by grace. Here in Jerusalem, in Acts 15, they crystallized the gospel, the gospel message for you and for me. You can't be saved by works. This is why today none of you are following the kosher laws. This is why when we open Leviticus and you look at it and you think, oh, how come we don't do that? Because of Acts 15 because you can't be saved by those works. But we are saved by grace. Peter got it, Paul got it, Barnabas got it. They brought it back to Jerusalem and thank goodness they had this small debate that was so crystal clear for them and it crystallized the Christian message that we are not saved by our works. Our works can do nothing because we can't live up to them. We can't bear that yoke. We will be saved by faith just As they are. Now, here's the thing. The gospel message is not advice, it's good news. And this is what they were getting. And this is what we forget so many times. We think sometimes that the gospel is full of demands like we want to to raise uh, good kids, we want to uh, be holy, we want to be right with God. So we start coming up with a to do list. But that's not the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus has conquered death, he's restored us, he's paid the debt that we cannot pay. We can't bear that yoke, but Jesus did. And he died for our sins. And the the blessing is that we come to believe in him and he invites us into his kingdom now and for all eternity. That's the gospel and that's news and that's something that you receive, you don't earn it. And that was what was at stake in the Jerusalem council, you are receiving this good news. You're not earning it. See, they were trying to make it Jesus plus something, right? That's, that's what they were trying to do. Well, yes, of course, Jesus has good news for you, but you have to follow the kosher rules. You know, Jesus, of course, yes, but you have to follow the cleanliness laws. You know, you, you have to do this, but you have to do that and follow all the Jewish customs, and the problem is we do the same thing sometimes, don't we? Like, well, of course it's Jesus, but you have to behave well. Of course it's Jesus, but you have to also go to church on Sunday, which is a good thing, mind you, because otherwise you can't hear this. But, you know, it's, it's not Jesus plus something. And a church continues to slide into this all the time. We forget what happened in Acts 15, And we forget this, and we continue to slide and try and add requirements. Like, well, it's Jesus, but you should also do this. It's Jesus, but you should also do that. No, it's not. It's just Jesus. Because when we add stuff to it, we make it about us. We make it about us doing things. We make it uh, our salvation about us becoming holy. And we put that burden, we put that yoke back on ourselves, and then you start developing a list of, you know, do's and don'ts, cleans and uncleans. I mean, they had a beautiful list for that in Leviticus, but we make our own list sometimes. I, I remember this very clearly when I was growing up. My, uh, uh, my mom's side of the family and my dad's side of the family had different do's and don'ts. Um, and I had to keep them straight as a kid because you, you don't want to step in that, let me tell you. Uh, um But so on one side of the family, dancing was a no-no, all right? But on the other side of the family, dancing was fine. But on this side of the family, cards were a no-no. But on the other side of the family, oh, we're playing cards tonight. Okay. Have you seen that? Uh, All of those things. And drinking was okay here, but not okay here. And the list just went on of things that you could and couldn't do for piety. But that was about them and not about what Jesus has done for them. But then you get to a point and you think, well, well, Mark, okay, that's all fine, but people will abuse that grace, right? That's the common argument I hear. Well, how will people get better? How will people uh, uh, you know, behave better? We want that for people. And that's what the Jews maybe were thinking. How do we keep them behaving well? And here's the thing. The gospel is good news, And when you grasp that, that's when your life changes. I mean, think about it. It removes burdens, burdens from the past. So in the past, you've done things that you're not proud of. You've done things that you wish you hadn't done. If you're trying to live up to a standard, those things are going to stick with you forever. But because Jesus has done this, because Jesus has overcome, those burdens are removed. Future expectations. Well, you know, I, I should really accomplish these things Um, I should really uh, go on to be something great. I should do something. And all of that weight bearing down on you. And as you grow older, I mean, when you're young, you make a list of, well, I want to be an astronaut and I want to be the president and I want to do this and that. But as you grow older, you realize that life isn't quite that way, right? And so you've had to give up those expectations. But with Jesus, they're removed. The burden of them is removed You don't have to worry about letting people down. You don't have to worry about the the burdens and expectations of the guilt that you may feel. The gospel is good news. And if you go back to that point that Peter said, you cannot bear that burden. You cannot bear that yoke upon yourself. You realize that deep down there's so much stuff that you can't deal with, that you could never get past. See, all of those Jewish customs were on the outside. Jesus said, you're like a whitewashed tomb. All of that stuff that you're doing was on the outside. But the real change happens when you realize that you're a sinner, and you admit that, and you say, God, I need you. Because when you really stop and you think about it, you're probably more of a sinner than you dare admit I know I am. That you dare want anyone to see, but God sees that, and he knows that you can't bear that burden. And that's why the gospel is such good news for you. Because God loves you more than all of that. God loves you far more than you can ever imagine. And that's why he died for us. And that's why it's Jesus Christ plus nothing, because there can be no other way. Nothing else works. So hear that today. Jesus loves you, that yes, you're a sinner. Yes, you cannot bear that yoke, but you don't have to, because Christ has died for you, because Christ loves you, and because Jesus invites you into that kingdom now. And the things that you hate about yourself, the things that that are that burden, the only way to be free of them is to let Him change you. To let Him change you from the inside out with that good news. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for Paul. Thank you for Barnabas. Thank you for Peter. Who stood so firmly in Jerusalem at that council, saying, It is you plus nothing. And that's the gospel. That's the good news. Anything else is just a yoke, a burden that drags us down. And Lord, I know there are people in this congregation that are feeling dragged down from their burdens from past regrets and sins to expectations that were never carried out to to guilt from other people. Lord, we confess them to you now. We give them to you. And we trust in the grace that you have saved us by, the love that you have for us, the fact that you call us your son or your daughter, and the fact that you came down from your throne to die for us. Lord, receive us now. Lord, welcome us into your kingdom. Teach us to live in that love in the freedom of the gospel. Let us be a church that proclaims Jesus plus nothing. In Jesus' saving name we pray, amen.